Good evening. Once again, thank you everyone for being here with us this, this evening. We, as, as Monty said, we are going to be doing Romans chapter 2. I'm going to have most of the verses up here on the board, but there are going to be several times where we're going to turn to the scriptures together and, and study from God's word. So I would encourage you, if you have a Bible there, to have it ready, have it handy, because we are going to be turning to some, some other books and some other scriptures that we study out, some of the things that are going on here in Romans chapter 2. And we are going to try to study those things and, and look at those things. But if, if I didn't say it because there was some confusion, we do appreciate everybody being here with us tonight. Romans chapter 2, we just got done talking about Romans chapter 1. We're going to study all of Romans chapter 2. We're not going to split up Romans chapter 2 tonight. But I am going to bounce back a little bit from chapter 1, kind of talk about some of those things, maybe some possible re review, as well as look at some other scriptures as we talk about what's going on here too. In Romans chapter 2, there's a lot of things that Paul is dealing with. And one of the things that he's dealing with that we're going to get into is he's got these two different groups of people. He's got Jews and Gentiles, or Jews and Greeks. And he's trying to, to deal with those things that are, are going on there. There are things that the Jews are wanting to do that they don't need to do anymore. And there's these two groups of people. And and Paul is trying to kind of break that wall, break that barrier down and see that they are one people as we study here Romans chapter 2. But before I get to Romans chapter 2, I want us to reiterate and understand exactly who Paul is writing this letter to. In Romans chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says, Among whom ye are also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, and grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's who the letter is to. It's to those that at Rome, those who, who are at Rome, those, those brethren there that, that are at Rome. And it says those that are beloved of God, those that are called <clears throat> to be saints. So he's talking to the saints. He's talking to these people. He's talking to this group of people here at Rome. He's not talking to just some random people. He's talking to saints. He's talking to those people that believe, those that are in Christ. They're just doing some things wrong. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen to being understood by the things that are made, even his internal power and Godhead, so that they so that they are without excuse. If you recall, Brother Aaron talked about these verses, and he talked about all those things at the end of Romans chapter 1, all those sins, and it was a list of sins. It was a list of things. And it's saying that there were some that were doing those things. And it says that those attributes of God, those things that are, are clearly seen, that, uh, that, that they are without excuse, that they should understand and they see these things clearly, that God is God and God has power. And it's saying that they are without excuse. Well, then he's kind of turned that conversation over. But I want you to kind of continue to think about that without excuse. And as we study Romans chapter 2, think about ourselves. Are we without excuse? And I think we are. Starting there in Romans chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doeth the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. So here and the very first three verses are a lot of stuff. That he's saying, you, O man, you are without excuse because you know the, the, these things. And, 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 and he's basically saying, if you are judging someone but you're doing the same thing, you're without excuse. You're looking at somebody else's sin and judging that sin and doing the same sin, doing the exact same thing. And he said that, 
be aware that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that commit such things. That the judgment of God is truth. The judgment of God is righteous. The judgment of God is holy. And he's saying here that those that do these things, they shall not escape the judgment of God. But it's basically saying that this group of people are looking at those Gentiles and they're looking at some of those sinful things that they are, are doing. If you remember, inventors of evil things, disobedient to, to, to parents, fornicators, and all those things that are in that list back in Romans chapter 1. And they're looking at these things and they're judging them against those things. And then Paul here, which I might refer to him as the Paul that pulls no punches. Because if you read some of his letters, if you read Romans, if you read Corinthians, if you read these things, Paul does not do that. Why? Because it's for edification. Everything that Paul is doing, everything that Paul is writing is for teaching and learning and to edify people. And it's the Paul, Paul that pulls no punch and he's saying, you are doing the same things. You're seeing those sinful things and you're judging these people from that, those sins that were listed in Romans chapter 1. And he's saying that you are doing the same thing. And he says you cannot do that because that judgment that is true, that judgment that is right, there will be no one will escape that judgment. And it pulled to mind Matthew chapter 7 where in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, the Bible says, if, if, if you remember back, judge not that ye be not judged. For, what, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, and consider not the beam that is in thy own eye? Verse 4 of Matthew chapter 7, Or who wilt thou say to thy brother, let him pull out the mote out of thy eye, and behold, the beam is in thy own eye? Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam in thy own eye, then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. So here, it's a similar teaching here. That's saying, if you're worried about the, the speck that, that's in your brother's eye, and you've got a beam or a plank out of your own eye, that's, that, that, that's hypocritical thinking. And as we go through Romans chapter 2, you'll see that there's a lot of hypo, hypocritical things going on with these Jews. And here he's saying there that if you are judging someone by those things and you're doing the same thing, that's not right. And it's just like you're seeing someone committing some sin, disobedient to parents, and you're even more disobedient. Just like here in Matthew chapter 7, that that's a hypocrite. Take care of those things yourself before you think about somebody else. Continuing on in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So here it says that they despised or, or they despisest Thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. He's saying there that you guys have a hardness going on. You guys are impenitent, and that's an unrepentant person, someone who is not going to repent. And it's saying there that your heart, you are treasuring up wrath in the day to come. Why? Because of the revelation and the judgment of God. What it's saying is there that those Jews, they know better. They know God's goodness and God's forbearance, which is tolerance, and God's long-suffering. They know these things, and they're still doing these things. They're still committing these sins. That they know the riches and the goodness of God's goodness, which is tolerance or forbearance and long-suffering. That they know these things, and it says it should lead you to repentance. But they're not repenting. They are judging people 
when they have the same sin and the same things going on in their lives. That says because of your hardness, because your heart is treasuring up wrath in the day to come. They're not repentative. They're, they, they're not repenting of those things. And it brought to mind Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, where the Bible says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He's saying that you guys are without excuse. You know. And you have a heart that is not going to repent. And they said, you guys know. You guys know that God is sitting there with tolerance and God is sitting there with long suffering and you are still doing these things and then you're seeing those things in the Gentiles you're seeing those things in other people and you're judging them when you commit the same sin and it said what you're doing is you're treasuring up the wrong stuff you're 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 treasuring up your heart is set upon wrath your heart is set upon treasures of other things instead of putting your heart and treasuring those things that are good that goodness that leads you to repentance. The one who's putting their trust or their treasures or their bank account in God is someone who's repentive. They are repenting and turning towards God. And these people are not doing that. And it says here in Romans chapter 2, verse 6, God is, is, is who he's speaking of here, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who are patient in continuance in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life he's saying God is going to render to everybody according to their deeds and that's the same for us today as well but to the group he's talking to there he's like look you guys are stuck on this Jew and Gentile thing he's going to render those deeds to Jews and Gentiles everybody is the same that's what Paul is trying to get to everybody is the same and saying if you're doing these things and you're you're judging people and you're doing those same sin and you're going to continue to be hardness and you're not going to repent. Well, God is going to render unto that man according to his deeds. He said, now, if you are patient, those that are doing well and seeking glory and honor, well, that's immortality. That's eternal life. That's someone who is doing good, who is repentive. But then it says here in verse 8, but unto them that are contentious, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, which we just talked about, wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. <clears throat> Excuse me. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. Do you see what he's doing here? He's saying, hey, listen, if you're going to obey not the truth, if you're going to obey unrighteousness, and indignation, all those things, well, you're going to get this anguish. You're going to get this tribulation. You're going to get all these things. Why? Because God will render unto you according to your deeds. And he's saying, but on the other hand, those that are doing good, that are for glory and for honor and for peace, those that are repentive, well, they're going to get those good things. And what he's doing here at the end of those things, he's saying to the Jew first or the Gentile, to the Jew first or the Gentile. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, verse 16 said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. He's trying to make them see that they are the same. That it doesn't matter if you're a Jew now, and it doesn't matter if you're a Gentile now. If you believe in God and obey his gospel, as we'll talk about later, 
That is what we're looking for. That's Christians. He's trying to make those Jews not think that way. He said, we're all the same now because of the death of Jesus Christ. And that's why he's saying, if you're doing good, good. If you're doing bad, bad. doesn't matter if you think you got the law anymore. It doesn't matter if you think the Gentiles don't have the law. That doesn't matter. He's saying to the Jew first or the, the Gentile, it is the same. Psalm chapter 62, verse 10 and 12, the Bible says, Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery, and riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. So this kind of reiterates the, the same thing that they've been talking about this for a while, that God is going to render unto you your works, your deeds. And what Paul is saying here, how true that is, and it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, God is going to render to every man according to his work, to his deed. And it says mercy belongs to God. And that mercy is going to go towards those those deeds according to his works, according to your works. And then he kind of brings that to a, a head so to speak trying to make sure that they understand about the it doesn't matter about the Jew or Gentile thing anymore as he says this in Romans chapter 2 verse 11 for there is no respect of persons with God Galatians chapter 2 verse 6 says about the same thing but if these seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were it maketh no matter to me God accepteth no man's person for they who seem to be somewhat in in, in conference added nothing to me what he's saying here is when he said God is no respecter of persons or that God accepted no man's person, that's favoritism. Say God does not have favoritism with anybody. God does not favor someone. God favors those that believe on his son and obey the gospel, those that are baptized in his name. That's what God wants. He's saying if you think that y'all are the favorite ones, the chosen one of Israel like the Jews were, he's like, that's not going to work anymore. God does not have that favoritism anymore because the Gentiles did not have the law. As a matter of fact, as, as we're going to study later, that you can't even apply the law to the Gentiles because it wasn't for them. He's saying that God is not favor. He has no favoritism towards anybody. Romans chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but doers of the law shall, shall be justified. So he's sitting there kind of reiterating those things. Those Jews at Rome, he's saying here, look, you're going to be judged according to the law if you're a doer of the law. But you're not a doer of the law. They're not even doing the things that they're supposed to do. The law told them not to do these things. The law told them not to, to steal and, and, and such as we're going to study here in just a moment. He's saying that you guys are such hypocrites. You know the law. And you're not doing it. Those that sin without the law shall perish without the law. Those that have sinned in the law are going to be judged by that law. And it says it's the hearers of the law that are just before God. It's, or, or, I'm sorry. It's not the hearers of the law that are just before God, but the doers of the law that are justified. And this is a very applicable thing for us today. If you would, turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, beginning of verse 19. That this is a very practical application for us today about hearers and doers <clears throat> James chapter 1 <clears throat> beginning of verse 19 
<clears throat> and the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if, if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his face in a natural glass. Where he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgiveth what manner of man he was. Verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be re religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain, pure and unfiled religion before God. And the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So here we have that same concept here that is said, receive the word, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. And Paul is sitting there trying to, to, to teach these people a similar concept here. He's saying, listen. And here the Bible says that it's, it's, it's hearers of, of the word. It's not just hearers of, of, of the word. It's the doers of the word. And it says, and pay attention to people and there, see if their religion is, is vain. Are they doing these things? Are they saying they're religious and not bridling their tongue? It's, it's a very similar deal. If you look at this reading, it's kind of a similar thing that's going here in Romans chapter 2. There are, are some people that seem religious, but they're not or, or they're not doing or preaching the right things. Well, that's what these Jews were doing. They were trying to tell these Gentiles to do some things that were in the law. But that's not right. That's not what, what we're supposed to do. But I wanted to, to bring that to our, to our thoughts, bring that to our minds, that it's the same concept here, that we today should be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And that's what he's trying to tell these Jews in Romans chapter 2. You know the law. You've heard the law, and you're not doing it. Romans chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the mean, while accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now, before we, we go talking about the, the law here, which we're going to start studying, is I wanted to, I don't know if you can see my blue judgment here. Have y'all noticed that Paul has mentioned that several times already, the judgment of God, that no one is going to escape the judgment of God, that if you're going to not do these things, there's going to be the judgment of God, that in the day when God shall judge the secrets of man by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, when you look at those things, I think Paul is really trying to hit this home to these guys. He's like, listen, you guys need to straighten up and fix your act. Stop doing these things and stop being so, so hypocritical because there will be a judgment. And that's the same for us. And that's the thing. There'll be no escaping that judgment. And here's the real important part is that last verse about judgment there. It said, God will judge not according to the law, not anymore. It says, God will judge according to the, will, will judge the secrets of man, uh, man, <clears throat> excuse me, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That's who we will stand before on that judgment day. So he's really trying to tell these Jews, like, look, the law was good, but the law is gone. We have Jesus Christ now in his gospel. And if you go back and study the law, thank goodness for that. 
because it would be just impossible. And it was impossible. As, as, we, as we studied, they said that the law couldn't do what it was supposed to do because of the, the weakness of their flesh. They were weak. They could not keep the law. They could not do those things. We have Jesus Christ now. And thank God for that. And that's the judgment there. So I, I, I just wanted to point that out, that judgment there that's in Romans chapter 1, verse 32, as well as Romans 2 and 3 and 5 and 16, talking about that judgment. But here in verse 14 where it says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. One point that I would like to make that, that's clear is that the Gentiles never had the law. And if they try to apply things to them, like circumcision, you can't do that. That law was only for the children of Israel. That law was given to them, and it was only for them and for nobody else. So you can't even think about applying those laws to the Greek or to, to the, the Gentiles. And they're kind of hung up on this thing. And to be honest, it's kind of, I kind of see that a little bit. It's not hard for us. It's not, it's not hard for us. We don't want to go back to the law and do those things. We see clearly having the, having the New, New Testament, I mean, 2,000-something years apart. But these guys probably had a hard time. And if you go back and study Galatians and Ephesians and those other books, you'll see Paul had to deal with this no more law type thing. Are we not under that law? Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, when even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So Paul in Galatians is still, he's still teaching these things. He's saying we're not justified by the works of the law anymore. We are justified by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's blood, us obeying the gospel, being baptized and buried with him in baptism. That's the justification there. So he's really trying to, hit this law thing really hard. And I understand that more, I would ask you to please turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, beginning of verse 19. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. And the Bible says, Wherefore then serveth the, uh, the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of, of a mediator. That seed is Jesus Christ. That when that seed, when Jesus Christ would come, says that, that, that it was ordained by, by, by angels in the hands of a mediator, not a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a, a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promise of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that, that the promise of faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster or our tutor to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after the faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
So here Paul is still, is, is he's teaching that same thing. He's like, so what was the law for? Well, the law was, was given and the law was good, but they couldn't keep the law. No man could keep the law. They're saying that, that that law was given and it was like a schoolmaster to bring us into Christ. And, and Jesus Christ was God's plan all along. It was always everything leading and pointing towards Jesus Christ and the hill of, of Calvary. He says there that we were kept under that law until that seed should come to whom the promise was made. Well, that's Jesus Christ. Once that seed came, that's Jesus Christ. Now we are not under, uh, under that law. That law was a schoolmaster. We're not under it, and now we are under Jesus Christ. We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And it talks about there, those that believe and are baptized in Jesus Christ have put on Christ. So he's trying to say, and he says there at the end of Galatians chapter 3, neither Jew or Greek. It's, it's the same thing. He's sitting there saying, don't, it doesn't matter if you're Jew, it doesn't matter if you're Gentile. We are all one. We are Christians now. And that's one of the things that Paul is really having to come back here in Galatians as well as Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 17 now. <clears throat> Romans chapter 2, verse 17. Excuse me. And the Bible says, Behold, thou art called a Jew, and rest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knoweth his will, and approvest these things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. And art confident that thou art thyself, that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou, therefore, which teaches, teaches another, teaches thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that saith a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou, thou that abhorrest idols, Dost thou commit sacrilege, and that's a temple robber. That's robbing temples is what that sacrilege means. What he's saying here is, do you practice what you preach? Are you telling people to not do these things and then you're doing them? We're going back here saying that you are a Jew and you rest in the law and you are a teacher in your mind, a teacher of the foolish, a teacher of babe, that you are a light to darkness. And in all honesty... What Paul is saying here is that you are the blind, you are the one in darkness, you are the foolish, and you are the babes because you're not doing those things. You know what is right, and you are a hypocrite. You're not doing them. And he's saying you know the law. It says that you know it's his will and approveth of these things. But then he says here at 21, if you teach, don't you teach yourself? If you say don't steal, do you steal? If you say, do you commit adultery, don't commit adultery, do you commit adultery, and, all, and all, all these things, and so on. And that rings true for many people that stand right here. Do you practice what you preach? Do you say, don't look at those things, and then you look at those things? Or, or, or you say, don't curse, and you go around cursing like a sailor all the time at work? Do you practice what, <laughs> what you preach? And it really gives that self-reflection as well. But that's what Paul is saying here to these people at Romans. 
that you should practice what you preach. And the bottom line is they're not or they don't. Because in Romans chapter 2, verse 23, the Bible says, Thou that makest thy boast in the law, though breaking the law, dishonors thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. That's, that's Paul pulling no punches. That is rough. That is Paul sitting there, there saying, you make your boast in the law and you break the law all the time. And when you do that, you dishonor God. And then you're sitting there teaching these Gentiles to do these things and God is blaspheming because of this. It's saying that the, the Gentiles, that, that the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Why? Because you're a hypocrite. You're not doing the things that you are preaching that should be done. That there's some false teaching going on. Or there's certainly false teachers. That these Jews are teachers that are saying to do these things and they're not doing them. They're breaking the, the law and, and dishonoring God. And then the, the Gentiles blaspheme through you because of you. And it really hits home to us. Now, are we on our best game? Are we doing everything that we can? Or are we giving someone an excuse to blaspheme God through us? Romans chapter 1, verse 28, the Bible says, And even as they did not like, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up to a reprobate mind or a mind void of judgment or a mind that is looking at these things as worthless to do those things which are not convenient. Turn with me to Titus chapter 1, please. Titus chapter 1, beginning of verse 10. <clears throat> Titus chapter 1, <clears throat> beginning in verse 10. And the Bible says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of them, th th themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the, uh, said the, the Grecians are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables, and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in, but in works they deny him, being, being uh, abominable and dis, disobedient unto every good work reprobate. So that's the same kind of language there. That what Paul is saying is there is that there are false teachers. And Titus said, I'm sorry, what Titus says there, or what Paul says to Titus, is that there are false teachers there and they must be stopped. He says their mouths must be stopped. And I think Paul is kind of going over those same points here in Romans chapter 2. That you're, you guys must be stopped. It's saying that they are teaching things that are not right. And it says they're giving heed to Jewish fables and the commandments of men. Well, as these men are going about telling these people that they should be circumcised, which is what, what we're about, about, about to get into, saying unless you keep the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Well, that's not right. 
That's kind of like those Jewish fables that, 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 that Paul is talking about here in Titus. It's those things that are not right, the commandments of men, because that law is done. Telling someone that they must do something in the law is not right now. And it's the same for us to today. And there's people out there that still try to do these things. And it's not right. And in Titus here, Paul is saying, rebuke those people. Make sure that you don't keep company with, uh, with them because they are disobedient and to every good work they are reprobate. They see those good works as worthless and they don't do them. Romans chapter 2 verses 25. Here Paul says, For circumcision barely profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision doth transgress the law? You know, the first time I read that, I was like, what? What does that mean? That is some wordy language, is it not? I read it, and then I read it again, and then I talked to Ian a little bit, and I read it again. That's some, some things, but if you understand what Paul is saying here, he's bringing circumcision now, but he's still fighting the, the same battle. He's almost reiterating what he was talking about in verse 14. He's saying, look, if those that are not of the circumcision, what does that mean? Those that are not under the law or those that are not Jews that are, are, are circumcised, if they do the right, are they not right? But on the flip side of that coin, those that are circumcised, those that are Jews, if you're doing wrong, aren't you just like the uncircumcised now? He's saying, are you not keeping the law right? And I think it's important to see why I think Paul is bringing up that terminology, that language of circumcision. Because if you look at it, it's still kind of talking about the Jew and Gentile thing. He's saying, look, if the circumcision break the law, their circumcision is uncircumcision. He's saying that if you're a Jew and you break the law, well, you're just like somebody that's not under the law because you're breaking the law. And it said, but if someone that is not under the law is doing the things of the, of the law, isn't that good? Isn't that great? I think it is, and that's what Paul is, is saying here. Those Gentiles that you are judging, that you are saying are dirty, and they're doing right and not even knowing the law, that's better. That's really good. But one of the reasons why I think Paul is bringing up this specific language about circumcision is from Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, verse 1 and 5, the Bible says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the man of Moses, you cannot be saved. Verse 5, But, though, but there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Was it needful for them to be circumcised and to keep the law of Moses? No. What if they, if, if they were circumcised or uncircumcised? That didn't matter. It's saying there that some of them are saying, unless you're circumcised, you cannot be saved. Guess what? That's not right. And that's what Paul is saying here to these people. He's saying, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. Do good, and God will render unto you those good deeds. Do bad, and it's going to be bad. Here, he's saying here that that's why I think Paul, in the end of Romans chapter 2, is bringing up some of that circumcision and uncircumcision language. Because they were doing this thing. And I'll encourage everyone, I'll make this point, I'll encourage everyone to read all of Acts chapter 15. I consider reading all of it, and I've already read a whole bunch tonight. 
But I encourage you to go back and look at Acts chapter 15 and read all of that. Because it was a big deal. They had to go. They had to talk about it. They had a little meeting about it and, and things like that. I encourage you to go back and read all of Acts chapter 15. But that's some of the things that were coming into the church. And I brought up Titus earlier and read from Titus. Because if, if you look, but neither Titus from Galatians chapter 2 verse 3 who, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. That when some of these people were teaching these things that Paul was going about, Titus was with Paul, that Titus heard these things, and Titus was like, no, I don't need to be circumcised because I have Jesus Christ, not the law. The law is blotted out, is put away. <laughs> Excuse me, and it's one of the main points that I think Paul is talking about here and not just Romans 2 I want us to keep thinking about these things because as Ian starts preaching and Aaron does and Monty does as we go through Romans this keeps popping up it keeps popping up this Jew and Gentile thing this law and no law thing and I think it's important for us to understand how these early churches had to deal with these things finally in Romans chapter 2 verse 28 through 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 20, 29 the Bible says for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcised is that of the heart, or circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, and not in, in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So here he's still t talking about that. And I think he, he's using that language because to them, being a Jew was top. That was top notch. You were a Jew, chosen of people. And what Paul is saying here is like, they're a Jew. Why? Because they are doing those things that they are supposed to do. It says there that they're, they're not a Jew outwardly because they haven't been circumcised in the flesh, that actual act of circumcision. But it's saying they are circumcised in their heart, in the spirit. Why? Because they're doing the things that God wants them to do. They believe on Jesus Christ. They believe on those things. And it's not in the letter. And that letter is referring to the law, the written law, not in the letter, but in Jesus Christ. So he's really, to me, he's those Jews, some of their mouths may be hanging open because Paul is really telling it to them. And it brings to mind Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and 14, where the Bible says, Into whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in the putting off of the body of sin and of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, where, where also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses." blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it away, nailing it to his cross. That kind of just, just stops it right there if you study it, if you read that. He's saying that, that just like us, that circumcision now is done inside. It's through the, oper the operation of God that those that are buried with him in baptism, then the operation of God happens there, and they arise, and now they are saved. They don't have to be circumcised in that manner. And it's saying that the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, and we can study that if you want, but it is the law that he's talking about there. He's saying that law is gone. That law is blotted out. That law is nailed to the cross. Jesus has put that away. And it's now the operation of God buried with him in baptism, the circumcision of Christ.
for we are under Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, one more time, I wanted to bring this up. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. I wanted to bring this up one more time because we studied how those men's hearts were hardened and they were not uh, repentant. But we understand that those riches, which they knew the riches too, they understood the tolerance and the forbearance and longsuffering of God. But what if we today, to bring some practical application here, are doing some wrong things? Are we false teachers? Are we telling someone to do something and then we're going around and doing it? If we see the goodness of God, it should lead us to repentance. And many times it happens to me a lot, and I know what happens to you as well. You see those things that you're doing. You see the wrong things, just like those Jews were doing and teaching the wrong things. If you see those and then you really think on the goodness of God, how he is tolerant of these things, that he is long-suffering towards us, it should bring us to repentance. Tonight, if there's anyone here who has not been baptized in the name of our, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and wishes to be baptized, that circumcision of Christ, that circumcision that happens in the heart there with baptism, that we can rise and walk in newness of life and be a Christian, we are prepared to assist you with that. If you are having trouble in your life or you see some of those sinful situations in your life and you see that goodness of God, that tolerance of God, that long-suffering of God, and it has brought you to repentance, and, and you need the prayers of the church, or there's anything else that we can help you with, we'd ask that you please come sit on this front row and make your wishes known as we stay in the scene.